0: Drive gets inside, leans in, knocked away, and stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup, oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down to back, back, this contender. This Here's the problem I'm seeing. Zion's gonna want out soon. I'm just saying, I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, Knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. Hey guys, welcome back. This is CortezHeat, CortezHeat.com. We're back, Brian and Ollie, Wednesday morning, 8 a.m. when this podcast episode comes out. And we're just rock and rolling. One day closer, another step closer to the return of the NBA. Another NBA season is about to begin. Remember, October 4th is the week that starts up NBA preseason. I'm ready. I already talked to you guys just about some of the matchups like Lakers-Suns on October 6th, I believe. So I am excited about that. And we're just trucking our way through the preseason, trying to finish out the offseason strong through training camp. And of course, we're just trying to make our way to the regular season. We're ready. We can get there unscathed featuring all of the different obstacles that have been in our way for the past few weeks to just trying to get there without injuries or just different offsetting things that could just go wrong for a franchise. So without further ado, let's get into today's podcast episode as I don't have any announcements. I pretty much gave all my announcements out yesterday about the podcast. Of he has a whole the only thing I have as an announcement part of our podcast would just be social media. As I also want to share the poll results from the poll that we did yesterday. Because remember um, on Tuesday's episode, yesterday's episode, I said I was going to make the LeBron James NFL poll. And I asked a question on Twitter and my um, and my website on courtsatheat.com. I asked, I asked everyone, um, uh, I'm sorry, how would it be for, I'm sorry, how fun would it be for LeBron James to play in the NFL? Because we did those hypothetical matchups. Even LeBron James said during a 2011 lockout that two teams, like the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks, reached out to him and offered him contracts to be in the NBA, uh, NFL. How cool would it have been to see him playing football? Because even when on the Monday Night Football game featuring uh, Manning Brothers, we saw highlights of him playing high school football to what it appeared to be. And, of course, he talked about it. So we put out the poll question yesterday. And we put it on two places. CourtsAheat.com, the fi- uh, official main website. And, of course, Twitter.com, slash On Twitter, we asked a question. We got tons of people that had made up 43% said, and these were the options before we get to the percentages, very fun, boring, must see TV, please uh, please stop. And very fun got 14%, boring got 14%, must see TV got 29%, and please stop, and all caps, got 43%. So the larger majority of the people that voted, on Twitter said um, they were not interested in LeBron James coming into over in the NFL. They just don't want that comparison to happen anymore. Or hypothetical scenario happening. Or even us thinking about it. Because I was shocked about majority of our percentages, majority of our voters going to the police stop and forty uh, percent being born. I thought it was just picked up to where it would be more positive side. I don't know. That could have just been me. I was pretty pumped about it. If you guys have not seen yesterday's podcast episode, check it out. We talked about a lot of stuff featuring the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, we continue our toughest division, the entire NBA series. We kept talking about uh, Michael Porter Jr., the Nuggets. We talked about everything. That went from announcements to breaking news to our series to pretty much the conclusion of that podcast episode. But now, even though that was one source, we have no one. We asked a poll because now we've integrated one thing into our website. And we're going to do daily polls on the website and on social media as we're going to incorporate Instagram stories, Twitter different things like that and under the podcast section when you scroll all the way down Whether on mobile or desktop on coursey.com You'll be able to find uh, the podcast and um, bed player from TuneIn. Then right below will be the excuse me poll So then we asked how fun it would be for Bron to play in the NFL. Are you ready for the numbers? We had uh, who? How fun would it be for a to play in the NFL? The four choices were really fun, okay, boring, no, no, no. And this is also shocking, but really fun took the cake at 31%. Okay took it at 22%. Boring and no, no, no also had 22%. So... Everyone agreed by only 9%, not even that, for really fun. But it's really not that big difference between a lot of people liking the idea and and people not liking the idea, right? And it was interesting. I don't know if we have, like, how Jordan had fatigue, like, Jordan fatigue, or how, like, LeBron fatigue. All the main stars that are uh, constantly heavily talked about. Always had fatigue. Kobe had fatigue sometimes. Not to the full extent that we saw Jordan have fatigue. LeBron have fatigue. And all these different great athletes from the sport of basketball have fatigue. Or even a Tom Brady fatigue from basketball. Um, it just comes in different sports and different like, sizes. And just how long they've been relevant for. Just been talked about throughout the years, months, etc. etc. So I don't know if that played a role into it, but majority of the people voting on both courts and our Twitter account voted pretty much no. They would not be in favor of that. Now, shout out to 29% that said must see TV on Twitter. I would actually love to see that. I've talked about that yesterday and I actually believe he would make a great wide receiver cornerback. Uh, middle linebacker. Just imagine him rushing the passer. Like, I think that'd be one of the coolest things ever. Imagine him lining up with J.J. Watt and T. J. Watt. Imagine those three. Charles Jones is on there. Imagine if he was in the back with Buddha Baker, or he was in the middle with Zayvon Collins, and Isaiah, Smith, uh, Isaiah, uh, Simmons, right of the Arizona Cardinals. I would find that really fascinating. Um, we're going to, throughout the podcast episode, we're going to come out of a new poll that I'm going to talk about a little bit as we're getting through topics, as pretty much the poll, like yesterday, uh, came on like this, like, free-thinking moment, meaning it just, I freestyled it. I don't even know how I came up with it, but I did, and I'm like, yep, that's going to be the poll. So stick around the podcast episode, I'll reveal the poll because I have no idea what today's poll is going to be about, but... You know what, I always love doing things last minute, so let's get into it, and let's do the social media end to kick off this beautiful podcast um episode on this hot Arizona day. Let's get right into it. Like, real, like, real quick, if you live in Arizona, or if you live in Florida, especially Florida, you is bad down there, it's hot, like, there's hot, the news is insanity level hot, both of which are just very, very uncomfortable. Like, have this really sense of uncomfortableness and just not very, like, satisfying, right? But at least in Arizona, you have your pools and whatnot, community pools, and all these different, like, water attractions. But with Florida, you got all these beaches, and you still got your pools, you still got your water parks, water attractions, right? So that's one thing. But whenever Arizona gets rain... And if we're not in monsoon season, it's very much a blessing. I really appreciate that. Or like when we get down to eighty degrees, like when we get back into winter, my goodness, I'm gonna be freezing, but I'm gonna enjoy every single second of it. Cause a, I'm either crazy, or b, I just hate the heat so much. I think could be a mixture of both. A majority of the I a mean, majority of it would go to b. But it's just so hot. Without further ado, let's get right into social media. As always, you can find us on the four four main uh, uh, social media places like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr. Find us at Instagram.com slash CourtsideHeatNBA. Again, that's CourtsideHeatNBA for Instagram. And then for twitter.com we have twitter.com slash heat. Again, that's court heat for Twitter. Um, and again, you can do this as long as you have an account on there. And you can do this from mobile or desktop, either way, iPad, pretty much works anywhere. Um, then you go down to facebook.com, put in facebook.com slash heat Again, again, it's just courtside heat on Facebook. Tumblr is gonna be the same, just tumbler.com slash courtside heat. And as always too, you can find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Audible, TuneIn, Amazon music, and even ask Siri, say hey Siri, play Courtside Heat's podcast. It will play the most recent episode. Or if that's too much, or you guys are really not into like having all the apps on your phone, or you're really not a big fan of all of that besides like a few, and if it finds it easier, we have another option. Just go to courts Scroll at the bottom where you'll see the poll question of the day, but you also see the embed player for. Tune in. Just click on our station, and our station embed player will play the most recent podcast episode. Save yourself the scrolling. Save yourself all the time on trying to figure out the best podcast episode to listen to, because it will direct you right there. Still on our website. So yeah, that's another option. So you guys got tons of options. That's the core social media. That's all the places you can find the podcast streaming. And also, I didn't know we were on PodBay. If you guys have a PodBay subscription or whatever, um, listen to us on PodBay. I think someone just added us there. We're also on Listen or Listen or something like that. Like, we are on all of these different places. But yeah, that's how we're just, we're pretty much everywhere. Sometimes I can't even keep track of it. But who can blame, like, who can blame all the podcasters, that gets on all these different places and just forgets about them? Because, like me, I have my one main hosting account, which would be SoundCloud. So, once I upload it, it distributes to all the major ones and to everything that has my RSS feed, right? As soon as I put that into, like... Uh, tune in or I put that into Spotify. As soon as I put something on my SoundCloud account, that's my main RS, RSS feed, and now allowed it to be distributed to all my other podcast streaming platforms such as Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, uh, Amazon Music, Audible, etc. etc. And also too, if it makes your guys, uh, if it makes your guys' life easier, just go on to Google, go into the Google machine, and just type in Cortese Heat, one word Cortese Heat. That would just bring up the website, the stores, our coving shop, our uh, membership subscription. It will bring up all the social media, all of the um, different podcast streaming places especially of the app so once you click on that link it'll just take you to the app and you'll be able to subscribe from there and as always keep the podcast going and whatnot every subscribe that you do every like every share that helps a lot whether that's on on the podcast and social media and or even if you're on the internet on whatever um, search engine you're using or whatever browser just go to court, hinges just share it with family, friends, co-workers, or if you're bold enough, do it to the people on the street, the strangers, because they will find you weird. But trust me, it's a good cause. Don't worry, if you get in a fight, just refer them to ESPN. <laughs> but without further ado, let's jump into this podcast, the announcement, the social media, the polls, they're over, so... Let's start getting a little heated with our takes. Let's get bold in this stuff, and let's just jump right into it. Again, I'm just a free thinker. I freestyle this, so whatever comes to my mind, I'm like loose cannon. I'm just going to say it. So, without further ado, let's jump into it. And our first piece of breaking news would be Karis Avert. Big deal, small deal, medium deal. Well, Karis Avert has a stress fracture in his back. But the Indiana Pacers, who acquired him in a huge trade featuring the Brooklyn Nets and one other team, that saw different stars being traded, but the main ones were Cares Avert and so many different. Ah, uh, I sense that's where the that was the James Harden trade, the major blockbuster trade featuring James Harden, Cares Avert, all these different draft picks, all these different players, right? So, that was the James Harden trade. Carol DeVere went over to the Pacers. He's actually a good basketball player. Just got not had much media attention because, A, you're in Brooklyn. You have to compete with the big free Or then, B, you had um, uh, Blake Griffin, all these different stars, all these different good talents that were taking the media attention because... They already had their own social media presence. They already had their media presence. So it's like they're just carrying that over. Especially for Blake Griffin in the debacle he had with the Detroit Pistons. Same with all these different guys. With Marcus Aldridge, too. In the brief stint that he was there, right? Now he's rejoined the team, of course. But he had a, uh, he had a uh, health scare which we addressed on our podcast several months ago but he's back on the team right but for Carol a bird, he's he's pretty solid. he's gonna help that Pacers team and that's why this stress uh, this stress fracture in his back could be a big deal if they're not optimistic and they're only optimistic for this one reason. That everything's gonna go well in the rehab. It's not gonna be such as a big deal as like he broke his entire back or he just broke bones in his back that just will put him out of commission. But right, you get my gist of it. You get my concept of where I'm driving that. But there's optimism within that organization that he won't miss significant time. He will undergo more testing before the season kicks off. So he may miss the first week. He may miss the second week. He may miss the third week. But it's not like months upon months. That's what we're trying to gear at. So we're trying to gear not months upon months. said, I don't think it's going to be out four to five months. I don't know. They're going to do more testing as the season comes around. But they're hoping it's just going to be a few weeks from what I've gathered. But... What can you do when you have stress fractures in, like, any part of your body? Like, some can heal real quickly. Like, if you have a stress fracture in your hand, that's more manageable. But your back's different. Your back's carrying that load, and you're getting physical, especially from the back when you're trying to get those rebounds. You're just being, just crouching or doing anything. The back plays a huge part, just like the ankles, just like your knees. Just like pretty much any bone in your body. It's pretty significant, right? Only Phil Rivers of the NFL has been able to play on a torn ACL. I haven't seen anyone else do that. Especially in the time that I was born to now. Like in that time of my life. i never seen it personally. But still, in recent memory, that I can go back and look at him. Like, I don't see any um, NBA player towing for a torn ACL Especially the level of contact that football has. My goodness, they're just, that's just crazy. But yeah, so they're optimistic that there's not going to be significant time. There is time going to be missed, but the known but the known variables are that it's going to be more testing. The injury is present, and they're just hoping he's not going to miss significant time. Hopefully, it's only a few weeks two months at the max. That's what I'm predicting or that's what I'm hoping for because I'm a character of our kind of guy and I'm just hoping he's able to make an impact when he can on that indie team. Now, we followed the news around Michael Porter Jr. We followed the rumors that he was getting a big payday that was gonna be working throughout this entire offseason. That there was trade rumors featuring him, and Ben Simmons, but then the Nuggets pulled out after giving him the $172 million dollar contract that can go up to 200 million dollars with um with uh, I don't know what uh, I don't know what uh, I'm bringing out I don't know what the right word is like I'm bringing up like like uh, these contingency things like these things that have to be done. Okay, fine. These milestones like these milestones have to be that have to be complete to get the bonuses right. So, w- when he's able to hit those bonuses, he'll be able to get the full $207 million. But he's still racking up $170 plus million, somewhere around that range, for five years. So they made a commitment to him. They said, look, we're gonna keep you for five more years, $41.5 million per year, we're fine with that, we're paying Aaron Gorm big bucks, we're making sure all of these guys are extended through for the next few years, so we're able to build a commitment and build a team together, with the reigning MVP, with a sharpshooter, with a with a really good, good good presence on the court. And then we of course have the young Buck, the one the best rising stars with a good shot, um, Michael Porter Jr. And then of course we have like the Kyle real. Uh, Aaron Gorin, just all these different players. But now, so that sets up the way. I never thought about this. But I was listening to, uh, I always forget. Is he called Ben Maurer or Jody Maurer? I can't remember, but I was listening to the Maurer show um, yesterday. Yesterday morning as I was making my way to the office. And he put up with some really good points. And it was about the Phoenix Suns and how much... Harder more difficult it is to retain their Yonja uh, aim for lower money Because they were gonna try to do different things. They were on the ropes because of all these different re-signs and signings Electric tax just going against the salary cap, right? So it made it tougher. But now since you saw Michael Porter jr. Get that huge contract that rookie max contract that opens Pandora's box for DeAndre Ains. So, what do I mean by that? I mean this. DeAndre Ains undoubtedly becoming one of the best young centers of today's NBA. He's proven that last season. And he's proven it again. Or hopefully going to be proving again this season. So, the Phoenix Suns could be looking to pay him a Rookie Max contract of a five-year deal Worth 172 million dollars. And DeAndre Ain himself is optimistic that he's gonna sign that contract extension with the Phoenix Suns if and when that contract is given to him, offered to him. But it makes you but it makes you really think about how much more difficult it was to retain. DeAndre Ain without his price going up because of Michael Porter Jr. and him being the fourth rookie to get a um, rookie max contract. Uh, that would be along Luka Doncic, Robert Williams, and Trey Young, as we addressed yesterday's podcast episode. But yeah, I find it very interesting because the Phoenix Suns obviously want to retain DeAndre Aime. Players, coaches, front office, everyone alike on that team. They want to they wanna get back the first overall pick. They don't want to see him walk. So they're going to have to make some financial decisions, some financial moves, and just say, it is what it is. We're going to roll the dice. Because you know he's going to be expecting that, and now the market has opened bigger and better for him, and this really benefits the player. Because thanks to that huge deal, or the fourth player to get a rookie max contract this offseason now could be adding a fifth player or a continuing rookie, which is the ain before or after or during the season, right? So it's going to be very, very interesting. Very, very interesting indeed. But I wanted to bring that up because I saw that with some interesting points that the Maurer Show brought up yesterday. Uh, for everyone that uh, listens to Fox in the morning, or is it FS1, it's 1-2, Fox Sports, 9-10 a.m., right? But I just thought that was interesting. I just thought that was interesting for sure because it really puts a, put uh, puts the Phoenix Suns in a pickle and puts more benefits towards Yonge and what he gave get out of his worth. Even if some people disagree with his worth, that's just what the market's demanding within the NBA. And this is going to be benefiting the player more than ever. But that's where we're at. So Deontay is optimistic. Like, both sides want to get done a deal. It just comes down to the finance. It comes down to the financial situation that the Phoenix Suns are in and what Deontay Chan is willing to accept. But he's optimistic to that rookie contract, to that rookie max contract. And without a doubt, million for five years is a lot of money. I don't care who you are, that's just a lot of money. You're making close to $34.5 million per year? That's some sweet living. Especially playing down here for a team that could be going back to the Pubs, deep into the Pubs, hopefully for another finals run and to win a championship. Because they are very close. Very close against Milwaukee until... Those late set into uh, failures and shortcomings, but yeah, that's that's how I view the Phoenix Suns situation. That's how it's panning it out to be. And that's where Deandre Ain stands at, and to me, that's gonna be very very interesting to watch out for. It was this past offseason when the Phoenix Suns had to make their draft moves. Had to make their off season moves in free agency. Um, and just having that contract period in the free agency saying, you know what? We need, to get, we need to get Chris Paul back. We need to get Cameron Payne back. We're going to lose some guys like Tory Craig. Not the biggest thing in the world, but still, his energy was ferocious. Like, whenever he got to the court, there was revived energy. There was revived spirits within that building. And it was one of the most electrifying things you saw during the postseason whenever he hit the court for that Phoenix Suns organization. But yeah, they had to make some tough sacrifices. They had to make some good sacrifices. Either way, we have hit another obstacle or another barrier to having this team fully committed because... Of course you have DeAndre Ain, but then you also have Mikhail Bridges. Can you pay both? Most likely not. Who would you rather pay? Mikhail Bridges or uh DeAndre Ain? We're actually gonna talk about that this Sunday. That Phoenix Suns topic for our Sunday special, just that topic for about uh 30 to 40 minutes, somewhere around there. Because who would the Phoenix Suns rather pay? DeAndre Ayn or Mikhail Bridges? Who'd be more impactful? Who'll be more benefiting the team when giving a huge contract. Because we don't know where McHale Bridge is going to end up after the contract expires. Nor do we know where uh, Deoncha is, Because the team's still trying to decide. It just all depends when, when they're going to offer him the contract for both players, if that's going to be after the season, after they see what their worth is going to be during this season, where they end up. So to me, that's going to be all interesting. I'm going to keep you guys posted on that. And you know what? Having those player relations are really cool. Having those relationships as teammates on and off the court is a beautiful thing. And just like Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they made it work. They fed off their energy. They fed off their knowledge. Like both men wanted to listen to each other. Both men wanted to play. You can't say that about some players. And you certainly can't say it about Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Joel Embiid always wanted to have Ben Simmons back. Joel Embiid always wanted to say, you know what? I don't mind playing with him. I don't mind having him back. Like, publicly he said he was ready for Ben Simmons, that he would be fine having him back, that he liked him as a teammate, different things like that. Like, on the outside, it looked like positivity. We don't know if frustrations were building up within that locker room or not. Either way, Joel Embiid had a fine relationship with Ben Simmons. At least he thought that it had a mutual relationship. It turns out that when bad blood spreads to the front office, it spreads through the locker room and just the players' relationships. Why would I say that? It's because Ben Simmons says that playing with Joel Embiid has ran its course, that it's no longer helping him Ben Simmons skill set. That in other words. It's holding him back. Wow. You had an MVP contender. You had an MVP contender on your team. And you said he was holding you back. That you were not able to show your true skills. Not able to force the way you wanted to. And you were just not compatible with him as a duo. And... Philly made several attempts to try to retain him. That they didn't want to see him go out this way through statistic uh, presentations down in Los Angeles, through different selling points with teammates with the season and whatnot. But Rich Paul and Ben Simmons made their intentions clear. And now, that you pretty much cut the ties. You pretty much burned the ships. You have just... Cut every bit bridge, you burned every path. Like, there's no going back now. The comments that Ben Simmons said to Embiid Joel Embiid, out of everyone who showed support to Ben Simmons, even in his poor times, just stabbed a knife in his back, just stabbed a knife in Joel Embiid's back. That's that's just not good. That's not right. So Embiid's, so, Embiid's probably done with Simmons. He's like, I said everything I could, I tried everything I could, and now you've kicked me to the curb, and you call me worthless. For interpretation, of course. But, that's just insane. So, now they've gone to every life. Paul and Manly Simmons have gone through every life and just say... We're down Philly. We've insulted your fan base. We've insulted you. We've infuriated you. We have made mixed signals. We have torn you apart. We have said every single name. We have torn down players. We have a lost sense of accountability and relationship within this uh, roster and the death chart and just in the team building on the team planes. It, that there's a lot of sense of security there. There just is. There's no easy way around that. So I tore into Ben Simmons yesterday. I'm not gonna repeat that diatribe as I did yesterday on today's podcast episode. But you guys, if you if you guys listened to my podcast episode yesterday, you would know how um unprofessional Ben Simmons really is. That's not professional. I said it. I'm gonna say it again. I have no problem his basketball mistakes are correctable his attitude towards a franchise who's given more than he's deserved in financial situations in in life on on and off the basketball court building friendships but he's not taking his frustration on the on the players and mailing Joel Embiid that's just tough that's tough but that just proves again Ben Simmons, immature, and he's acting like a child. And when the child's getting started getting his way, and when he's falling more and more away from the team, you just see outcomes like this. You just do. You just do. And the, the, the 76ers are still kissing up. They're still pleading them be, to, I'm sorry, the Simmons to come back. Just to come back. They're banging on their hands and knees, Figuratively. It's sad, but I get what they're doing. They don't want to lose their investment. But I think sometimes when insults, fires being thrown everywhere, it's just sometimes best to let it go just to try to strategize and move on. Sadly, even if you don't have a talented player that you waste a first overall pick on, sometimes you experiment. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and Ben Simmons is now the most childish childish player known to Philly and known to the NBA. So congratulations. You've just turned your back on all your friends, teammates, coworkers, the fans, everything. For what? you could have done this a different way. And that's what's more disappointing. Unless there's more to this story that we're all not hearing. But Ben Simmons is being the arrogant one. Ben Simmons is being a child. And that's being shown clearly and cannot be misinterpreted in any other way. Moving on, we have more issues on COVID with the COVID-19 vaccine with these rulings. The NBA now are making it stricter as last season for unvaccinated players. They're going to go to new lengths. They're all like, you can't eat at the same restaurant. You can't be by. You have to be confined to your hotel. Right, stay six feet. The mandatory stuff. This is getting real, and this is by design. So it actually makes sense. I, I'm gonna flip the switch real quick. It actually makes sense why he never mandated it. So the N B, MB, the N B P A is like, no, you're not. We're not gonna allow you to mandate us. We're not gonna go through with that. The N B A kept pushing it, pushing it. So, what's, what's the best thing for the NBA to do? What's the best thing I'm silver and their entire NBA colleagues can do? Make life miserable. And that's what they're doing for the unvaccinated. With stricter rules saying, okay, you want to play this way, you want to have a choice that's not our own way, that's not how we see it. We're going to make your life miserable. And you can hold out, we'll take your money. Because, hey, why does the NBA care? They're still making millions of dollars whether he's playing, or this player is playing or not. And it's quite it's quite sad seeing with all those restrictive rules, seeing that, well, even though 90% of the league's vaccine, the 10% is the problem. It's, and sometimes they have illog- illogical cases, and sometimes they're poorly represented. I get it for the health and safety, but what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is said, maybe be what the NBA thinking, that if you're going to be unvaccinated, we're going to make your life miserable, or you're going to be kicked off the team. Now, of course, they didn't present those two options, but I'm just saying... How much farther will they take this? Will they heed what K uh KJ said? Will they heed what uh what one of the greatest of all time basketball players said into consideration about the safety and health of our players, of everyone involved with the NBA, fans, etc. etc. It's gonna be very interesting. It's gonna be very interesting how this all plays out because now we have Kyrie Irving, sources close to the situation, says that he could be getting the vaccine very soon. Is that from social pressures? Is that from team pressures? Kyrie Irving has said on a media day uh, from his home, I seen from Zoom or somewhere, that he wanted to have his privacy respected. Is it now that he's trying to be selfless? or because people are saying that the people that are, are unvaccinated vaccine are being selfish towards their teams and whatnot, I believe it's just going to be a personal choice. And whatever happens, happens. Consequences happens with every single action, whether good or bad. It just happens. And it's whatever, like, what generates from that, right? That's just, that's just basic knowledge, right? Of good and bad and what the consequences will reap from it. That's just simple. But now it's like, well, what's happening? What ha- What's happened to make Kyrie Irving change his mind? Is it from a team? Is he facing severe backlash from his locker room? Or is he trying to do the right thing in his mind? Either way, he's going to be getting vaccinated. That's, he could be. Maybe. Potentially. There's not affirmative no and there's not affirmative yes. We just know there's a could, a maybe. That has now changed because when he first said no, take that day by day by day, now it seems like it changed to a maybe. Is there something running through his brain that's clicking? Is there something going on behind the scenes that's influencing the way that he's making decisions? We don't know. We have no idea, and I'm just trying to search Kyrie Irving. I'm trying to see what's going on because something just doesn't seem right. A few days ago, he says no. Now it's a maybe. Because yeah, it's just crazy. It's... Because so many places, um, like Yahoo Sports, dumb. Two days ago said, stop giving vocal minority of anti-vax NBA players the space to be loud and wrong. Really? Um, The NBA's anti-vaxxers are trying to push around the league. And it's working. Rolling Stone. So, that's called pressure. That's called when you do not agree with someone's mentality, you punish them through making their public image stained in a horrible way but who said it, who said anti-vaxxers are pushing around the league a uh, new flash 90% are vaccinated 10% are not no one just likes the narrative that 10% are willing to stand up, like Brad Beal, like Andrew Wiggins, like Jonathan Isaac, and potentially um, Harry Irving. That, to me, is interesting. And who says that Yahoo Sports, who has questionable decisions over their years in politics and in medical things, can actually say, make a headline of stop getting vocal minority of anti-vax NBA players to space to be loud and wrong. Aren't they just expressing their opinions? Aren't they expressing their concerns? Aren't they putting this in logical formats? It's not like they're just shouting at the top of their lungs not to get vaccinated. It's not like that stupid vegan woman that's saying to not eat all the cows or just try to preserve them or whatever her daily rants are about meat. That's not it at all. Who says they're wrong and who says they're right? Now, of course, we can judge that upon basis and whatnot and statistics, right? All I'm saying is that if someone is not aligned with your viewpoint, that's not considered wrong. Because the, the study of the vaccine and whatnot is to give you added protection, r- reduce your symptoms if you get COVID. It's supposed to be added protection, um, against COVID. That vaccine's supposed to work. And if the vaccine works and the vaccine have it, the why are they worried about the unvaccinated? Shouldn't the va- uh shouldn't the unvaccinated be worried about the unvaccinated? But we seem to have lost something, and I hope you guys are following along because I want this to make sense. And I'm sorry if I'm if this, if this I'm going off on a crazy rant here. That's not how I want it to be perceived. And that's not how I want things to go on this podcast. I'm just pointing this out because what has changed? Why are more and more news sites, why are more sports sites saying it's wrong? Saying that they're pushing around the league. Just because you're anti it, Are those 10% players out of the hundreds of players there... Really making an impact that they're bullying them. It's not like it's 50 50 or 75 25. Anti vaxxers are leading it, that's quite the opposite. It's 90 to 10 vaxxers are winning. And this isn't about winner losing, I'm just saying in the points of ratios and percentages who would actually be more dominant. So, and what Rolling Stone said about them pushing around the league, that these anti-vaxxers pushing around the league. The NBA is actually combating that with putting in stricter rules making sure they're following that because they have to lose money. They have to lose something to make sure it's a suitable punishment. So actually, in all honesty, it's the vaxxers and it's one that oppose those ideas and those logical thinkings that are actually pushing around the league. And I actually want to bring this up real quick. This is going to be the last breaking news of of our breaking news section. And it's actually LeBron James. You may agree with his politics. You may not agree with his politics. You may agree with who he is personally or professionally. I'm not telling you to look either way. There's not too many things that LeBron and I agree on politically. But that doesn't take away from his public image. That doesn't take away from his personal and professional image. Just because there's a difference in anything doesn't mean that we have to uh, restrict this person or just like punish them, right? And what I'm trying to get at here is that while I don't agree with LeBron on the majority of stuff that he says, doesn't mean that he's never right? And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a scenario. And I saw that this was perfectly said by LeBron James, which I will 100% agree upon. And he confirmed today, uh, he confirmed yesterday that he was vaccinated, that his family is vaccinated. That he wanted to make sure that his family was protected, that he was protected. He was doing good for his team and just making sure he's vaccinated, staying protected right now which good which good on him, taking into account of his family protection, his health, his overall well being. And he said and he said and I quote, I can speak about myself, um said James when asked about the issue. I think everyone has their own choice to do what they feel is right for themselves and their families. I know that I was very sceptical about it all but after doing my research, I felt like it was the best suited for not only me, but my friends. That's why I decided to do it. You guys know me. Anything I talk about, I don't talk about other people and what they should do. I speak for my, me and my failing. That's what it's about. Um, he goes on to say later, we're talking about individual bodies. We're not talking about something political, racism, or Bruce, uh, Bruce, uh, police brutality. We're talking about people's bodies and well-being. And I don't think I personally should get involved in what other people should do for their, own, for their bodies and livelihoods. That would be like me talking about if somebody should take this job or not. Listen, you have to do what's best for you and your family. And he goes on to talk about him being vaccinated and whatnot, but... You know what? That's perfectly said by LeBron James. Nobody should get mad at that. He's speaking 100% truth. If it's not about racism, police brutality, or politics, as he was talking about it, then it's fine. It's a person's body. And because those, those three topics he brought up, are so are some of the things that are huge issues in our society. And I believe it's a must for people to talk about it with their friends, co-workers, families, etc. Those are some important issues to talk about that are affecting our society, affecting our future, right? Either way that we look at it. But I love how he talks about that it's their bodies, that that they're talking about individual bodies. But he doesn't think he should get personally involved. So whether we agree with the politics of LeBron James and saying, well, he's just gonna take the side of a leftist, or saying he's gonna take the side of everyone getting vaccinated, he actually stayed neutral about the vaccine. Meaning he he said it for for his friends, for himself, for his family. He did the he did the right thing. What well, he saw it was right. And he got the vaccine, which I totally respect. Putting. Putting yourself on the vaccine, taking the vaccine for good and what you think is good is amazing. You want to protect people. You want to help people by stopping the spread of COVID, by what you believe will stop the spread of COVID. But I also think that it's very critical what he said about, look, those are individual bodies. Do what you think is right because he's 100% correct. He, he also said he was skeptical of, COVID, of the COVID-19 vaccine until he did his research, until he did his studying about it. So to me, LeBron James did his studying. He was skeptical about it. He did his studying. And he came to a collision to get vaccinated. Now, flip side, you do that with Jonathan Isaac or you take that with. Uh, Bradley Beal, and he's looking at all these different studies. They're looking at all these different studies. They're doing the research. And they come to a different conclusion. They don't. They come to they. Well, they don't want to be vaccinated. And what Le- Le- LeBron's saying right there is, it's individual bodies. They can make their own decisions. That's perfectly fine, because it's actually completely fine for them to make their own decisions. Because it's not a vaccine mandate for NBA players. So I really like about that. And what I really like about that, because he he said, I quote, "I don't think I should, per- I personally should get involved in what our people should do for their bodies and livelihoods." And he later goes on and say, "Listen, you have to do what's best for you and your family." I'm gonna end the quote right there. LeBron's perfect in what he said. He's right. Like, he's. He's not enforcing people to not get vaccine or get vaccine. He's saying you have a choice. He has a choice. Just do what you believe is going to be right for you and your family. It was perfectly said and it was correctly said. He was never enforcing any viewpoint. He wasn't talking about politics, racism, police brutality. No, he said if you, it's individual bodies. Do what makes you feel fine, makes you right, makes you comfortable. He never said you have to get vaccinated. He never said you didn't have to get vaccinated. He said let go to your own conclusion. That's just perfectly said. That's just very, very perfectly said. And, again, I might not agree with everything LeBron says, but like, like I've said before, he has his own opinions, he has his own facts, and I have my own opinions, I have my own facts. But just because um, I don't agree with the majority of stuff he says doesn't mean I have to shut him out. I'm actually, I'm actually glad that he said that on NBA Media Day because I think what he said was very important and very crucial for everyone here. And he's he's one of the most influential basketball players that has grown to the media, grown to the game basketball, and has just evolved because. We may not agree who he voted for, why, or what he stands for, but at least he has a cause. At least he has reasons behind that. Whether we may think that's correct or delusional, right or wrong, at least he stands up for what he believes in. And that's what he's telling people here. If you want to get vaccinated, great. If you don't, great. It comes down to your individual bodies. And I love how he used that saying, he's like, listen. It's like it's like me telling you you have to take this job or not. He's saying no, just do what's best for you and your family. So I say that's perfectly said. So if that makes people upset that LeBron got vaccinated or the fact that LeBron stayed neutral on on individuals' bodies, I don't know what more to tell you. I'm actually glad that he said that. I agree 100 percent what LeBron said. Every single word, he he said that smartly and he said that correctly. Because it's like, he was, he was skeptical. He did research. He did studying. He found out the necessary facts, get vaccinated. He got vaccinated. And then you see these other NBA players, they did their research. They did their stuff. They didn't want to get vaccinated. It all comes down to a choice. As long as you're making conscientious research and studying and doing all these different things and making logical choices and logical, rational reasons then who the heck am I to judge you? Who the heck is anybody else able to judge you? Because if you're able if you're able to make logical decisions on this, then the heck of everybody else says, because whether you're a pro-vaxxer or anti-vaxxer, as people are labeling, then, I don't know, it's just a, it's, I just find it. I see it as a choice. I don't know how everyone else feels about it. Again, I try to limit COVID talk, um, because I want to keep this mainly basketball, but as we keep evolving, I just thought that it was interesting about Kyrie Irving or LeBron James. I wanted to bring up the LeBron James one because I thought that was really important to talk about. Especially, I, I saw that. I saw that when I was looking for stuff to talk about today's podcast episode. And I, I listened to what he said. I read what he said. And I, I couldn't agree more. So I saw I had to put down my podcast because I saw it was something for all of you guys. Here in case you weren't following up with the Lakers Media Day or when LeBron took the podium, right? Um so yeah, yeah, that was the last piece of breaking news as we're nine minutes away from hitting the uh, top of the hour. And so without further ado, let's get into our final division. Can you believe it? This entire series is now on its final division before we ask the most important questions. Who's on top? Teams um, individually or as a, as a division, as a divisional like whole, right, for each conference. And our final conference in the Eastern and Western Conference is the Atlantic Division. And that features the Philadelphia 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks, the Boston Celtics, and the Toronto Raptors. Those are the five teams. Those are the five teams right there that will be, I'll be breaking down, that I'll be talking about, different things like that. Now to start off this list, we'll start with the Toronto Raptors, and we'll just start breaking them down. We'll talk about wins and losses to come, and records come at the end once we're done with all, reviewing all five teams for this final division. But let's start it off. So looking at the Toronto Raptors roster, there has been considerable increases and decreases with players coming in and out since 2019. That would be most notably Kawhi Leonard, um, Sergi Baca, all these different guys. They're retaining Fred Van Fleet, getting Goran Dragic, getting Scottie Barnes in the draft, Gary Trent Jr., O.J. Anabai being there, Precious still there. Um, the one thing that's going to be the biggest critique for this uh organization is their lack of bench players like being actually good meaning like these guys are not the greatest bench in the world that are combined they're suitable but they're not they're decent but they're not good or great they're not going to be able to beat out Brooklyn's bench or the Warriors bench or the Suns bench or any bench in that in any particular mine but I believe it's going to be split up between Precious and Scotty Barnes, for the small forward role. I, my my personal um, roster would go like this: uh, uh, Van Fleet, Siakam, uh, Trent Jr., Precious, and Drogic. I would actually like to see a little more, like because Precious averaged, um, well. Precious was originally with Miami Heat, then he came on over. He wasn't bad. He averaged five points and free rebounds in his debut season, 12 minutes. I actually like to see Scotty Barnes get 12 minutes and Precious gets 12 minutes and are splitting in and out for, like, the roster spots, like, for the starting rotation, right? And it would just keep rotating in and out. Like, those two rotational players to me would be great, because I can see Scottie Barnes going off for 12-4-4 per game, or, like, 8-3-3 free free per game, something like that. Just using imaginary numbers there, or just hypothetical numbers, right? But that, to me, is how I'm viewing it. I love to see Scotty Barnes. I think Scottie Barnes, seen Scottie Barnes. was a great pick. I saw he was drafted. Uh, Luke, oh, I thought the Warriors were going to pick him, but I see why the Raptors chose Barnes over Suggs, over Jalen, right? But, i I still think it's a very good move. He is a streaky shooter. There were some inconsistencies on offense and defense for Scotty Barnes, but that's going to come. His first year is going to be a warm-up unless he absolutely explodes, but then that's just going to be a field-out process. second year is going to be great. Again, for the Raptors, you're just trying to build up their pieces. Fred fully committed to a huge contract that he signed last year when he or two years ago when he was a free agent. And then you also saw Gary Trent Jr. come over from Portland. Pascal Siakam is going to be great at the power forward position, uh, center position, right? OG is going to be good, small forward, forward, right? The power forward is going to be dominant, I, uh, like, because you're going to have sh- the shooting. D- uh, Fred VanVleet, to me, is more of a, it's sh- uh, more of a sh- scorer and a passer. Like, he's like that combo point guard, shooting guard combined. So, I would actually see Dragic as their shooting guard and Fred Vliet as their point guard, where uh, Fred is bringing up the ball, facilitating it, Setting everyone in motion and getting everything ready. So for everyone, to me, it's gonna be the point guard. Drag is gonna be the shooting guard. And you're gonna have precious Charlie. Uh, Chal- uh Chal- well, I'm sorry, I pronounced your last name wrong. And Scotty Barnes coming in and out for twelve minutes each, just being those rotational players for the small four position. Pascal Siakam will be the power forward. Now I love to see Ojan by getting there. Because especially since he's averaging 33 minutes, he's always going to be a starter. So i love to see him take the place of Gary Trent Jr. Because I don't think when you have Gary Trent Jr. To me, he's more of a... He's good, but he can also come off the bench too. It just all depends how you view things. But Goran Dragic could also be a person going on the bench, coming in and out. I guess star like minutes, but not in the starting five. I would probably go, uh, see that's, that's a tough one, but I would probably go either, and, but, and so here's gonna be the starters. It's gonna be Precious, then Scotty, it's gonna be Siakam, Fanfleet, and oh, Antibody. is just too um, uh valuable to be put on the bench. But Dragic, I would be okay putting on the bench and maybe Gary Trent Jr., right? Because you also have to fill them out. So you have to give the bench some leverage here, too. You just can't put a bunch of scrubs. You have to leave, like, a star in there or a rotational player in. Or at least a sixth uh, man in there, right? It's going to be very interesting because I would put Goran Dragic at the sixth position and just say, you know what? You have to go. Uh, in with the bench, you have to make sure they're holding up their end, they're not getting sloppy. Because here's their bench are you ready? Sam Decker, Delaney Obonton, um Isaac Bonga, uh, oh boy, David Johnson, Reggie Perry, Paul Watson Jr., uh, Jalen Harrison. Like, those are just some of the players on their bench, just some. You got to Wanabai, like, um, it's not a very good bench. I've never really seen any of those players, like, I just, I'm not feeling their bench. I don't think their bench is going to hold up the way that everyone thinks it's going to be, especially when looking at their, um, starting lineup to their bench. It's going to be completely different. So I wouldn't mind seeing Dragic or at least OG back there. Scotty Barnes is going to be on the bench, right? But I like to see him coming in and out on that rotational roster, heading into the first unit. I think the second unit will also be pouring for uh, Scotty. I think that's where Scotty's going to be at two. Precious wanna be bad back there, but I like to see Scotty on the bench too, see how he's there. because so I want him on the bench, coming off the bench with 10 points per game. That's how I'm viewing it. That's how I want. But that's how I'm. That's how I'm viewing like the Raptors roster. I'm sorry, the Raptors roster. They have, they have staff some good players, especially in uh, antibody Siakam, Van Fleet, and then there's gonna be some um, interesting players like Gary Trent Jr. and Drogic. There's gonna be some. Uh, There's going to be some stepping up players like Precious and uh, Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes was originally just drafted a few months ago in this year's NBA draft. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he fares coming into everything. Uh, We'll break down, as I said a few minutes ago, we'll break down the records. We'll break down the wins that they're going to have with our team uh, come at the end our fifth team which would have been the Brooklyn Nets. And now moving on to the next one, we have the Boston Celtics. And that actually starts out with a buttload of players, like with a bunch of really solid players, as you have Jason Tam, Dennis Schroeder, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Josh Richardson, Marcus Smart, Enes Cantar, Bruno Fernando, Robert Williams, Payne Pritchard, Javari Parker, Romeo Langford, uh, uh, Hernan Gomez, Grant Williams, and so many other players. But starting on that bench, I'm sorry, starting on that front end, starting on the starting lineup, we saw huge additions being made. Dennis Schroeder's going to go on the bench. Josh Richardson's going to come off the bench. But this the small forward's going to be Jason Tim. The shooting guard's going to be Jalen Brown. The starting point guard is gonna be Marcus Smart. The power forward is gonna be Al Horford, and the center is gonna be Robert Williams. Uh, Smart has been paid huge money. Samuel Williams and maybe Horford—I can't remember. But then you see that bench. The bench isn't bad. Schroeder's gonna add some nice prove-it points. He's gonna add some nice padding to that bench. Samuel, Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson was the offensive steal. Why? Because he averaged 12 points per game in 30 minutes. Coming off the bench and still averaging 8 to 10 points per game, close enough to 12 off of 40 some odd percent from the field, is going to be superb. Josh Richardson was a good shooter. He was very high quality for that uh, Dallas Mavericks team, especially when they needed him to step up when there was injuries, COVID, different things like that. But yeah, I'm highly like, I'm high on Josh Richardson. So he's gonna back up Jalen Brown. But you have Josh Richardson and cantar, uh Bruno Fernando, Dennis uh Dennis Schroeder, and Payne Pritchard all on the bench. And, of course you have Jabari Parker and different guys like that. But I am like excited for this bench. I'm also excited for the starting lineup. There's nothing really you can go wrong. Always been high on Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams. Because Robert Williams is going to have something really significant. He's only 24 years old. He averaged good points last season. He averaged career highs, which was 8.7 rebounds and 2 assists off of 72% for the field in 52 games. With him, being, with him being their large, uh, leading center, he's going to have to step into big time, and I believe that's where he's going to be shining statistically and just looking at the impact that he makes, that does not count on the stat sheet. They I also think Al Horford. Al Horford's going to be something. Interest could plague him, you could say, but he averaged 14 points last season for OKC. He rebounded after only having 11 points for Philly. He played for Boston from 2016 to 2018, and he averaged around 12 to 13 points per game. I'm actually excited for that. I'm excited for him because I believe Al Horford's going to contribute nicely. But our main scorers, our main leaders in scoring is going to be Tatum and Brown. That's going to be my thing. On the bench, the lead scorers are going to be Josh Richardson and Daniel Schroeder. But Robert Williams got some, got some things to prove. Jason Tatum just going to be more explosive. Same with Jalen Brown. They're all averaging 20 points per game. Dan gonna have a proof of year for free agency next year and just for the Celtics to prove his worth on a six on a $6 million contract. And then you just see Marcus Smart. He's going to do the same thing. He's going to get fired hot. I believe he's going to make an impact for this team. So they have a solid bench and they have a solid starting lineup. That's what I love. That's what I love to see. But then making our way to the third team, we see the New York Knicks. And I'm also so I'm also really high on the New York Knicks. As I believe they made some of the best moves this offseason. Right? I actually really do believe that. Because they added Kemba Walker, Evan Fournay, and different guys in the draft. And they still have tons of really good players, as they have Kemba Walker, Derek Rose, Evan Fournier, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, um, Adobe Toppin, uh, Mitchell Robinson, Emmanuel Quickly, Nurin Snowell, and different players like that. Now that for the starting lineup and for Bench. But we have already confirmed that Kemba's gonna be starting. Derek Rose already said he's fine being the backup. But that's not bad for him. He's going to embrace that role amazingly. I believe Derrick Rose is going to have some great points off the bench, rebounds off the bench, assists off the bench, and have some good quality minutes. Always been high on Derrick Rose. Even when he kept tearing his ACLs, kept having all those different injuries, I still back Derrick Rose because he's a good scorer. He has veteran knowledge, and he's ready to help when needed, when it's time to do it. And I also believe if Kemba Walker keeps his knees out of danger, he stays out of injured ways, or then he's going to be a dominant point guard for that team, a solid point guard. Because when he played for Boston, um, as I'm sorry, and when he played for Boston, um, he averaged between 20 points per game, 19 to 20 points per game. And he just made sure he was able to do that. He was very dominant in Charlotte. Then he was with Boston. He had knee injuries. But I believe this is going to be a resurgence of Kemba Walker. Not the faded guy with all the injuries. But he's going to have a resurgence like, well, he's a striker. He's lethal when hot. He's able to hit those shots. He's able to get inside. He's able to get something going. And that's just going to be so powerful. So epic to see. So, Kemba Walker's going to be a great point guard. Derrick Rose is also going to be a uh, great backup. M. Fournier is going to be a good shooting guard. Now, how we ever see that, here's how I think the Star Line is going to go Kemba, M. Fournier, Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, and Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson will be their center. M. Fournier, a shooting guard. Kemba, the point guard. Powerful Randall. shooting guard, RJ Barrett. That's how I see it. Because I also believe this. Evan a is going to be good for this team. He averaged 13 points in for the Boston Celtics in the 16 games they played when he was traded there. But on Orlando, he averaged close enough to 20 points, Give him that point free um, extra, right? But I actually see significant worth out of Evan a especially given that huge contract. He's looking to pay huge amounts in return of that huge contract just for his scoring, for his athleticness, for his knowledge, just having like that proven it season saying, I was not a mistake giving that huge contract to. I'm worth it. Uh, this is not the same Evan Fournier you saw in Orlando or even with the injuries and COVID back in. The short stand with Boston. No, this is going to be the Evan Fournier. That's gonna be Wilder Mask and Square guard with his teammates. Then we already know what Joyce Randall has the offer. He got a huge payday too. He played averaged a double double, twenty four points, ten rebounds, six assists off of forty five and a half percent per game. That's huge. Joyce Randall's still gonna be dominant. If we go down to R. J. Barrett, he's gonna be looking to make some huge headlines as he was now ranked in ESPN's top hundred. But then again, no one really cares for that because how could, say, Cunningham be listed on that list when he hasn't even played a game? I get there's hype surrounding him, but still. But still, I'm just saying. But yeah, he averaged 17.6 rebounds and free assists. That's huge coming into his third season, as he averaged career-high numbers in every single category in games played, minutes played, points per game, field percentage, rebounds, assists, etc., etc., like, he all topped that from the first season to now. And I believe he's even going to be getting even better. The 21-year-old's going to have a lot to prove, and he's just going to show it to the media and show it to his teammates and show it to his opponents that he's came for war, that he's ready. And I don't blame him. Adobe Tom's going to be a great piece on the, on the bench. Same with Mayo quickly, especially Luca Vendoza. Uh, Alex Burks, Neuro Noel, great bench pieces. Tage Gibson, Dwayne Bacon, uh, Mitchell Robinson. He's gonna be great, especially when come back off of those injuries, off of those like surgeries, I believe. As he averaged eight points per game, eight rebounds, he's gonna be a rebounding machine. He's one of those tall defensive guys that won't let you get an easy bucket. I can't wait for that. Moving on to the Brooklyn Nets. This is where it gets tricky. This is where it gets tricky because who knows if, so let's just say Kyrie does get vaccinated, then you have your big free. You have Kyrie, Kevin Durant, James Harden. Those are your big free, but then you have the supporting pieces of Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, Lamarcus Aldrich, Paul Millsap, and Patty Mills. Paul Millsap and Patty Mills are the two guys that are new to this organization that are back and have just played very well last season. One is from Denver, one is from San Antonio. Patty Mills... Is very good. He averages ten points per game. Is solid. He's he has a great offensive defensive mind. My, my opinion. Sam Paul Millsap. He has great energy. Can knock down shots and has the body type to play good defense, especially some for Brooklyn. That was the main science of Patty Mills, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Paul Millsap. Why to go on with Blake Griffin's enthusiastic defense type style. Because you have your shooters. You have your knockdown shooters and Joe Harris. He can light it on when possible. But then you have your playmakers, your dynamic scorers. You have your just absolute beast of passers, dribblers, shooters, right? All those skills meshed in the one super team, which is the big free of the Brooklyn Nets, which is Kyrie, Drant, and Harden. The only thing no that change uh, is that Kyrie decides to skip out on the vaccine, just skips out on his 41 games and potentially the entire season. That was saying because due to the vaccine mandate in New York, especially in Brooklyn, you will not be able to play those 41 home games, which will be a killer to the team. And everyone knows that you need to have this big free, which Sean Marks have been working towards, Joe manager of the Brooklyn Nets have been looking forward to and trying to see a championship come home, especially for Steve Nash's coaching staff. But, yeah, this is becoming a more blended team of offense and defense. Adding Mills and P- Millsap is going to be great. Same with Javon Carter. Carter, He's going to be great defensively uh, on the bench. Same with Burnby. Same with all these different guys. Their bench is not the greatest in the world, but you know what? It's going to work because they have so much firepower offensively and defensively. and I cannot wait to see... Then lastly, we have the Philadelphia 76ers. We know the debacle that's gonna have. So how I'm gonna view this is, and we're gonna revisit this team when Ben Simmons traded, or if he just holds out. Let's just say they're gonna tour Tram. Let's just say they're gonna keep. Excuse me. Let's just say they're gonna keep Ben Simmons. He's gonna be suspended, miss the entire season. That means that you have tie- either. Matisse fible or Tyrus Maxi as your starting point guard. Or if you want to get crazy, Danny um uh Danny Green. But we're just gonna use those two. So I'm just gonna take Matisse Feibel first. Uh you're gonna have Matisse Feibel, Joel Embiid, Seth Curry, Tobias Hare, Tyrus Maxi, Andre Drummond, Danny Green, uh, and all these different guys as I'm looking through the list on a roster. Philly's gonna be in a weird place. Maybe not on the record sheet, but just game by game, especially if Simmons holds out. Because now you're going to have your Matisse uh, Feibel or Tyrus Maxey or even Danny Graham you are going to go with the veteran option for the starting position. Just say, you know what, um, this is how we're going to roll it. And it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a ground this season. It, especially if they trade him, it's now going to have new pieces and whatnot. So this team's undetermined, like, uh, to be determined. Like, I can't get a full grasp on it because with Ben Simmons, that changes things. But without him, that also changes things a lot because now you're playing a veteran experienced guy like Green or two young guys like Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Feibel. And Matisse Feibel, in his uh, second year with Philly, averaged three point four points per game and two rebounds in 20 minutes. Not such a great showing. Not such a great showing. I don't know if he's just not getting to rock a lot. I don't know. But that's just not a good showing. And you also see Tyrus Maxi. He actually averages better points. He averaged eight points per game, 46% from the field, close enough to two rebounds and two assists in 15 minutes. So you'll probably make him the starter. But then if you also go to Danny Green route, he averaged 9.5 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 assists in 28 minutes. So while I know it's not always the best, all three of these guys have played in Philly for more than a year. Dan Green's played in there for a year. Uh, Tyrese Maxey's been there uh, for two years. And I think Ty- Fiebel's heading to a second year song like that. But more than your experience for all of these guys. So they're not foreign to Philly. So that'll be if Ben Simmons cuts all ties off, which it looks like it, and you'll see him in hold being suspended, or they're going to trade him away. Either way, it's going to impact this team and the players coming in and out. So you're going to have some inexperience or just inconsistent productivity at the point guard position. Joel Embiid's going to be stalled. He was an MVP contender. He averaged almost 30 points per game. He averaged twenty and a half points per game, fifty one percent from the field, ten and a half rebounds, and free assists per games uh per game off of thirty-one point one minutes per game, fifty-one games for Philly. That's just huge for him. Those are career high numbers for him in field percentage and points and close enough to the minute range. Um expecting a huge season out of him. Seth Curry's also gonna be one of those knockdown uh free-point scorers. He's not the biggest name on the court, but when he's on fire, when he gets things going, expect for it to be lethal and expect for this team to get a rolling with him, especially if injuries occur. Uh Tobias Harris, he's gonna be a starting small forward. I hope to see a little more consistency out of him where he's not a super high then goes low, or super low goes high. He averaged 19.5 points out season, 7 rebounds, and 3.5 assists. That's really good, especially from a f- uh, small forward. If Simmons is not going gonna, gonna to be suspended, not going to trade him this season, or they're just following these different offers, but nothing like tickling their fancy. then that just means every single player that's able to score, defend, rebound, Uh, pass, like do all these different things from the fundamentals to all advanced things, or just going to have to blend together, work together, and just say we have to carry those extra 20 to 30 minutes per game. We have to carry the extra workload. Because Ben Simmons did all the passing. That's all he could have done, and a little bit of defense. So that's going to take a toll on Philly. So that's going to be the only hesitancy I have with the Philadelphia 76ers. Their bench is not going to be bad. I think their bench is going to work out with Andre Drummond, Danny Green, highlighting it. And I also think that they're going to be Fiebel or Maxi. Probably it's going to be Fiebel on the bench just because there was really no productivity out of him uh, this past season. But I also believe Maxi's is going to earn it if they don't go the veteran route. I think it's going to be something they're going to experiment with. Then I also think that you're going to see... Uh, like Shake Milton, he's not bad for the bench. Like their bench is not the greatest, so you just gotta get used to this. It's gonna work. It's gonna be like a work in progress. It's gotta be one of those working benches. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting how they head into the season. They've been preparing this for months or for weeks at least and they're just ready for war. They're ready to keep it going. And bearing any setbacks like injuries or Uh, health and safety protocols, we should be good to roll. So now that leads us with, for the Atlantic Division, where would you rank everyone? I think Toronto, as we discussed, there are different possibilities for them, but I think ultimately, out of the 82 games, they're going to win 30 to 33 games. They're going to be dead fifth. Then I'm actually going to put Boston in fourth. Why are gonna have all of it? If you had to take injuries into account for the new players, if Kemba's gonna be um since there's no Kemba and there's all these different players that are coming back in trying to swing his things and it's pretty much the same lineup with a new head coach. I don't know. Taking all the variables into place into consideration, I think I'm gonna have to give Boston between 40 to 44 wins. Um, it's going to be a 4-9 to nine game difference in the win column. So I put them ahead of Toronto at 4th. For New York, I don't know. I think we're going to see, instead of Philly at number 1 at Atlantic, Atlantic, we're going to actually see Philly drop down to number 3. And now it's coming with the contingency of Ben Simmons is not playing. They're going with inexperience or veteranists or trying to make quick moves for Ben Simmons if they're trying to suspend him. But let's just say to keep their current rotation and Simmons is suspended, I would actually see a decrease for Philly, and they'll only achieve about 44 to 47 games that season, taking a hit of minus... Uh, five or two, right? So between the range of 44 to 47, that will drop down to number three, but it's still ahead of Toronto and Boston. But then number two will be the Knicks achieving 50, 50 to 55 wins. That will be a 9 to 14 win increase. Because I just believe New York can do that. I believe that the firepower, I believe that the talent. I believe the capabilities to do that and I'm excited to see that. Ask me my bullet prediction that Brooklyn's gonna top in no number one. I think it could be with or without Kyrie. Without Kyrie, expect <laughs> out of a two games, around fifty wins that would bump down to second and by my projections, by my predictions, uh you would see New York number one, but I'm just gonna say if Kyrie is vaccinated, with all their defensive um additions and offensive additions, I'm actually gonna say with talent, with just explosiveness of just where they took that roster from, from last year to now, I'm actually gonna say they're gonna win sixty games on the season are going to be 16-22 I'm going to make the bold bet I believe they're going to be one of the first teams in the Eastern Conference to win 60 games and that just to me is just going to be bold but realistically bold if that makes sense because they have the firepower, they have the mentality, they have the physicality, they have all the different attributes, they have all the different skill sets, they have everything. They have just newer guys, young, uh, newer guys, older guys, more experienced guys, inexperienced guys, and guys in between. So that's where I'm ranking them. So we'll be Brooklyn out of number one, Toronto number five, number four we Boston. Number three will be Philly, and number two would be New York. I think saying New York and Brooklyn are going to go at it for the records for number one and number two seed in their Atlantic division. But, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm just really seeing it at. That's where I'm seeing it at, and I want to know what you guys are thinking about that as that was our final, final, final division in the entire conference Tomorrow, which will be Thursday morning, we will be talking about wrapping up our series about who's going to be the toughest conference, like who's going to have the toughest team in each conference, and then we'll talk about that individual teams, uh, the number one individual team of each conference, then divisionally of all five teams combined in one uh, division. So I'm excited about that. I cannot wait for that. We've gone through, we've talked about so many things leading up to our series. Because I like how we talk about the breaking news and how that affects the team, where the team's at. Then we just keep breaking down in our series and we put that into perspective. Um again, if you guys have any questions regarding that, or you guys want to hop in on these topics, want to bring any insights, we will put you on the podcast. Just by texting 602-791-2108, we'll put your comments out there, we'll put your topic ideas out there, and we'll just talk about them and hopefully you guys will listen to them and present them to us. As always, thank you guys for listening. Again, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, and all those other places like TuneIn. And I forgot everything else, but you know where to find us just by searching us on Google, Quartzite Heat, one word, Quartzite Heat. And again, you're able to find us at QuartziteHeat.com. QuartziteHeat.com. That's where you're able to find all the breaking news, all the in depth topics, all the quick um, five minute readers that's going to get you caught up. And of course, our podcast is there. And also, talk about that poll, I said we're going to bring up that pool. And our poll is going to be that does Kyrie Irving get vaccinated or not? That's just going to be my poll. I'm going to have four options for you guys. So, yeah, I know we're going on that poll for COVID. I'm sorry if that guy if that uh, irritates you guys. You obviously do not have to uh, participate in the poll. But I decided to go on with the trending topics, with the Haas topics in the NBA right now. That is one poll I'm going to have to do. They're going to do something more basketball-related that does not have to deal with negativity surrounding COVID or anything like that. But again, that's going to be our poll. I'm going to have that up shortly after the podcast is submitted, distributed everywhere and alive for you guys to listen to. See you guys again for listening. And as always, like, subscribe, share with families, co uh, coworkers, friends, pretty much every anyone and everyone. That would be a huge plus. Why so a review? Unless it's negative. Eh, neither way, review is a review, right? But it would be amazing to hear you guys' feedback. Again, text us at, at the Courts of Heat text line, which is 602-791-2108. And as always, thank you guys for listening. And as for the past few podcast episodes, we're going to go on the outro. Um, my final words will be this. Watch out for the vaccine, watch out for how the NBA shifts, watch out how the NBA is shifting towards the regular season, how teams are pairing, and just, you know what, watch out for those contract extensions. This is going to be some crazy times, some fun times, some thrilling times, and I cannot wait for it. And as always, I'll see you guys 8 a.m. Wednesday, uh, the, uh, brain break, I'm sorry, uh, Thursday morning discuss about but this was the Wednesday morning Wednesday at 8 a.m podcast we'll be back here Thursday morning 8 a.m published ready to go for your cup of coffee if you're at home or going to work or at work we're happy you're able to take us everywhere remember if you have iPhone ask Siri say hey Siri listen to Quartz Heats podcast or play Quartz Heats podcast that'll be huge and without further ado let the outro music drop now. (sighs)